Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest is CEO and founder of ProActivate, a company that started in 2005. It's an organization uh, that helped to uh, continually stream highly qualified talent to fill sales, marketing, customer success and sales leadership roles. Now, a lot has changed over the last, you know, 18 or years. And uh, we talked about the ProActivate advanced revolutionary approach that looks at the greater part of mindset, of course, looks at skills as well, but mind really focusing on on mindset through the recruitment process to help to find the A players, but also to make sure that they match the organization as well. So you're going to love this conversation. My next guest has over 25 years of experience in sales leadership and the talent acquisition industry. She founded ProActivate 18 years ago, prior to serving as VP of sales at Career Builder for five years. She's author of The Power of Two, Exponential Sales Leadership, How to Source, Qualify and Hire Elite sales talent and the journey to the top how to reach your peak performance in life welcome to scale your sales podcast jamie thank you so much for having me janice i well i'm i'm looking forward to this conversation because i know that you've got a specific skill set and expertise you've been running your your business proactivate since 2005 you know you don't look old enough Jamie so I'd love you to share all of your experience so let me start off off there you know if you kind of think way back in 2025 you know what inspired you to set up your business on on your own what was the the real trigger to to it all so I, as you said I started my business 2005 and I had always known that I wanted to start my own business. But what really triggered it is prior to starting ProActivate, I was vice president of sales at CareerBuilder. And prior to that was in the traditional staffing industry for several years, leading sales and operations. And I saw a gap in the market for leaders of sales-oriented organizations to really be able to protect and propel their revenue as it relates to talent. And so I, I Really, the impetus was I was in an MBA class for entrepreneurial leadership, and I wrote a business plan, essentially for ProActivate, that would fill in the gaps of models that I had been exposed to, and I I knew it was time. I won in the business plan contest and thought, I need to go for it, 
I, again, worked for very entrepreneurial companies intentionally to prepare myself to launch my own business one day. And this was the moment. That is fantastic. You know, uh, writing a business plan. I, I did an MBA as, as well. And, you know, like when you write a business plan and it's up against others, it's a great way of actually testing and getting a lot of free advice from the professors and consultants and other people around the table. So I think that was quite a win for you, really. It's great it really planning. was a good experience. Yes. And, and uh, you know, just to be candid, I actually, it was my first class in my MBA. And I, instead of continuing on, I just started Proactivate instead. So <laughs> it, was, it was great. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, you know, tell me about, you say that you've got a Pacific process that you designed. So often uh, when there's challenges and change in organizations, you think, actually, I can do it better. There's, there's a gap in the market that you, you mentioned here. So what is uniquely different about what you do in your approach that you saw there was a real gap and what you've developed forward from there? Absolutely. So in the traditional recruiting model, First of all, many of the organizations I was exposed to were not sales centric. And I noticed at, at, on the receiving end, as the VP of sales at CareerBuilder, as we had to use recruiters because we couldn't find top performing, working and winning sales talent online, those weren't the ones looking. And, but I noticed many of the candidates were coming in, coached on what to say to get the job. The qualification process was not in depth or, or truly authentic. And for sales, Salespeople are selling themselves in the interviews, so you've got to have a much more in-depth process. Yeah. And, and so there were several. The biggest one was the typical traditional 15, 20-minute screening and kind of slapping resumes. And like, that does not work in sales. So we have an hour and a half to two-hour in-depth, customized sales behavioral interview process that is truly second to none in the marketplace. There are three main components. There is the skill set component, which is where it stops for most companies. And you've got to have that. But we have a whole mindset component to our qualification process because we believe and know that 80% of success is based on mindset, whereas 20% is based on skill set. And then we have a companionation evaluations where we're going in depth, seeing people in action. And so that is the biggest differentiator. The other is that in our model, they have a dedicated talent manager resource and committed results. It's not if we find someone, but they have a commitment of receiving three qualified candidates that are guaranteed to match their ideal candidate profile within a few weeks maximum. And because of our in-depth qualification process, our ratios suggest one out of three are hired. But if for any reason they don't hire one of the three, we commit to providing additional talent until the hire's made. So they have a dedicated resource and committed results. And our talent managers, and you can just hear the, the difference in term there, but our talent managers are not paid on placement intentionally to preserve the authenticity of the interview process. And so that also is, is different. And then, of course, that, you know, we're specialized in sales, marketing, sales operations, and leadership all the way up to C-level in those key areas. So anything supporting revenue generation and sales and sales leadership are truly 90% of what we do because that is a big component of, of that. 
I think it's really interesting. I'd like to delve into the three um, components of your your report onboarding process and it's interesting and I agree that you know a greater majority of it is mindset which often the traditional cells don't even the only mindset is is that you're like me so I understand you so you're going to be good or exactly. you know you performed really well so you must have the right kind of winning mindset to right. crush those deals and all those bro co culture so you fit um but that's not really mindset. That's not really robustly testing um, mindset. And, you know, we spoke off, off camera and I said, you know, I'm a partner in, in a, um, a, a data analysis. Um, and, you know, one of the big things is uh, not one of the big things. The crucial thing is that you can't really train for is, you know, the willingness to sell your resilience. You know, you kind of either have those things or, or you don't. And Absolutely. so I would imagine mindset uh, uh, is all part of that, really, that, you know, your bounce back ability, your, your you know, your gumption, your grit that you have yeah. to keep going. Um, yeah. So how how do you actually measure for those things? Great question. So, and I absolutely agree. That is what I think of in terms of mindset, your grit, your perseverance, your ability to be flexible and, um, you know, just determination. And, and so we believe in the behavior of behavioral based interview. So it truly is a, an interactive qualification process where we're asking open ended questions, believing that past performance often indicates future performance. So asking for experiential elements of the, of the candidates, um, history. And in that as well, um, Assessments, you know, like you mentioned, an uh, analytical tool. Many of our clients do use OMG, and you know there are components of that that do to qualify for mindset. And again, I think it's from that same perspective of behavioral based understanding their frame of reference. And but we are what what happens in our process, Janice, is we first have an implementation meeting with our director of client relations, the dedicated talent manager and the client. And we design based on the questions that we ask an ideal candidate profile. And we're digging deep into the culture of the company and of course the key requirements, non-negotiables, but it's, it's way past what a typical company would put together as a job description. Then our mindset is, how do we go find those people currently working and winning and doing well where this would be a next step in their career? Where are they naturally in the business world? Where are they online looking for leads or business acumen? What types of networking events are they at or trade shows? That's how we design then our ideal candidate or, excuse me, our customized qualification process. It's based on that ideal candidate profile. So the mindset questions that we ask are specific to that profile. And so, you know, for example, if grit is really important in that role, we're going to be asking about, you know, tell me about one of your greatest challenges that you've had and how you overcome it or how you overcame it. And, you know, to your point, I, I think a lot of times you can be a lot of hiring leaders are, are hiring people like themselves, you know, that they like, that they enjoyed. And they're like, oh, you're like me. There's no true process. And, and what happens is you look and say, okay, you were really successful, but we don't understand why. 
And we don't even know that they know their formula for success. And that's a huge problem just on the skill set side, right? Like if they can't tell us how they won, it would be like me going to have my best time in a marathon. And you say, okay, how'd you do it? And I say, I have no idea. It was just that day. So you can't repeat it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we really want to know they have a replicatable sales style and mindset right? That they know how they won. And, and they know what it took. Because if you look at the best of the best in business, in sports, in politics, in any area, what separates them from the others is not just that they have the talent. It is the mindset. All of the key characteristics are components of mindset. So it's we- interesting. You've just reminded me of um, uh, Trevor Noah was interviewing Oprah Winfrey and said, you know, you've you've interviewed all of these amazing, successful people. So what is the one common denominator that defines these successful people? And Oprah said, having a goal is kind of knowing, almost knowing your own mindset and the, mm-hmm. where you're going and why you're going there. And she said the majority of people, they'll go in this direction, that direction, you know, flavor of the month and all all of these things. Unless you know, I think, who you are and what's important to you, these what I call your core values and why you've you've set a goal, you've got a direction, but you know why you're there as well. Then nothing can steer you off your path. So my question to you is. That's, I think that's a key element to success, and that's what Oprah says. So when you're actually looking for a key performer, they've got to have a personal goal. There's got to be something in their personality that drives them. There's a reason why they want to be successful. How do you begin to uncover that? I love that you said that because when I, I – do development for companies and and keynotes in the area of mindset. And that's one of the biggest components. How do you know where you're going? I mean, if you don't know, how do you know if you got there, right? If you don't have that goal and the biggest component of that goal is the bigger why. The bigger the why, the bigger the try, the better the how, right? But most people only know the what. So as sales leaders, when we're talking to our salespeople and we're just asking them or as we're interviewing, and we're just asking them about the what, all we're really talking about is our own goal for them, which is for them to hit quota, right? For them to bring the revenue in the company. But if we don't understand their bigger why behind that, we have no basis for that conversation or ability to change the trajectory of their success by helping to hold them accountable to that why. So in the process, we ask, what's the why? I mean, you know, when you look at your purpose, when you look at your mission, your career, why is this important to you? And if they're talking about, well, I just really want to achieve the goals and, you know, hit quota, why? Right? What is the bigger why behind that? How does it relate to you personally, your family, your children, your goals in life? And getting to that bigger why tells their story much more in depth. So to your point, we ask, we want to know. And, and as sales leaders, because I know this isn't just about talent acquisition, I think that's one of the components to being a great leader is understanding your team members' bigger why and talking about that instead of just quota. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it, 
instead of I'm I'm a real advocate on uh, changing the language in sales and um, you know hitting quota, crushing deals, killing. I mean, who wants to be killing anyone or anything? You know, um, it's not. We don't. I don't think it's very respectful within the industry how we speak about our customers our most valuable resource our customers without them we don't have revenue we don't have jobs we don't have businesses and then the language we use internally about one another i'd like us to um, start to really think about that and the lack of respect we we seem to have in the industry and start to to change a lot of that but what i was particularly interested in you know, what I read about you is that you teach everyday people to live uncommonly successful lives. So how does that happen? How does that work? Is that about the, the goals that you help people to uncover or is it the why? What's behind all of that? So I would say what's behind it is um, my own personal passion to help others be their best, to live on purpose with a bigger purpose right to live intentionally and and in leadership in my company and whatever i'm doing that is really what i care about is helping them rise to their full potential and that is through the area of development and mindset and so you mentioned earlier about will versus skill which is really mindset right versus skill set uh, this is an area, as we look, Janice, and I, I know you uh, would agree, most have a lot of time developing their people in the area of skill set, but you can't, you can't motivate someone, right? Jim Rohn says if you, you know, you take someone who's an idiot and you try to motivate them, now you just have a motivated idiot. You can't <laughs> motivate someone, but you can help raise the bar on how they think and, and help them think at a higher level. And so I got certified several years ago in the area of mindset science by Gerhard Schwatner, the CEO of Selling Power Magazine. And I, I bring that to my leadership daily within my company, but also to other organizations by doing mindset workshops or key recognition events, things like that, to help them specifically to answer your question, think at a higher level. And max, I mean, truly engage in a high performance mindset. So it does start with learning to flip the script on our automatic way of thinking. We have 60,000 thoughts a day. And naturally, the National Science Foundation says naturally 80% of them go to the negative for most people. And so it's learning to, to understand that, to recognize it, and then to flip the script. And, and one of the first ways to do that, to your point, is to understand your bigger purpose, your bills and the why. And then it truly is learning, learning about the stages of mindset development, how to engage your inner CEO, your prefrontal cortex in a higher level of thinking and flip the script on the negative self-talk and, um, you know, self-actualization and, and thinking, you know, with mindfulness or engaging in no limit thinking, stop stopping believing the lies that we sometimes believe about ourselves without even realizing it. So those are all components of what I teach in those mindset workshops. But I try to bring that to just 
everyday interaction. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And Gerhard, yeah, we were in um, uh, Washington and had a wonderful conversation uh, over, over lunch. So yeah, he's uh, very inspiring. So I'd, I'd like to talk, just delve in a bit deeper because I, I, sales trainers and sales training, you'll often find that there's a budget for it and it happens every year and a year later, there's no difference. And so my belief is the majority of sales training has no real impact at the end of the day because it's only 20%. You can teach anyone um, sales training, but treat them the bigger piece, which is the, the, the mindset, you know, the, the right behaviors that's going to create success consistently. And we don't, as you've said, to your point, we don't really spend nearing, nearly enough time um, on that. So what do you think needs to happen in this critical industry? Sales is about business growth. Uh, it's fundamental to the way that we converse and e-commerce and commerce generally globally has a massive impact uh, on whole nations and communities. So this little word sales and the skill of selling, the actual impact is enormous on communities and uh, organizations. So what would you say needs to happen to make sure that we have a lasting impact not the temporary sales training the next year in the same place, but a lasting impact to consistently have that peak performance? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to model it as leaders of organizations. And, and so if we don't have it at the highest level within the organization, we can train it all day long, but it is something that has to be did, right? And, and, it starts at the very, very top. But we need to, we need to call organizations and call our peers to a higher level of, of commitment in terms of developing people in this area of mindset, because it truly is critical. And I agree. I mean, we can, we, we they've got to get some development and skill set, but you can do that all day long. And that should be happening in leadership and one-to-ones and all of those things. The area of mindset development is very often neglected, and it would shift the performance of the entire organization. It's got to start at the top, and it's got to consistently be fed throughout the organization. So it's not a one and done. It's a continual process of raising the bar, and it's, it's got to become part of their culture. A lot of times, you know, I'll talk about how to hire elite sales talent within a high performance culture because you've got to have that piece of it so when you say start at the top what starts at the top what culture what are the characteristics how can you make sure that you're not putting in a a high level performer into an organization that isn't going to support that so So, what is happening at the So I think what happens at the top is first and foremost, they go through the development themselves to understand a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset or that failure is a stepping stone to success or living in the solutions room versus the situation room, so to speak, which is engaging in that growth mindset and versus, you know, and and so when that becomes part of the culture, for example, 
just to give a practical example. Oftentimes, if I'm doing a mindset workshop, and it truly doesn't matter, I've done it with a room of 100 CEOs, it could be with 2,000 leaders, it really doesn't matter. One of the first things we'll do is ask for a volunteer. I say we, but I'll, you know, I'll ask for a volunteer. And again, it could be 100 CEOs. Generally, there are one or two people that are willing to stand up and volunteer. And what I'll do is then say, hi, what's your name? So nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Here's $100 cash. Thanks for volunteering. That's all I needed. And then I ask the rest of the audience, why, in that moment when I asked for a volunteer, why didn't you volunteer? Why would you miss out on the $100? What thoughts went through your mind in that moment that held you back? And again, it doesn't matter who's in the audience. It's always the same thing. It's that you know, it's, it comes down to, it comes down to fear of rejection, fear of failure, not knowing what you're going to say, all of those things. The CEOs have to model at the top that willingness to get out of their comfort zone, to rewire those neural pathways of that automatic way of thinking, to model what having a growth mindset is. So it could be as simple as people come to them to try to solve problems and leave the monkey on their back, so to speak, and them saying, hey, let's go to the solutions room together, and what would you do? Versus, you know, just having that fixed mindset of this is the problem and this is my excuse, but what would we do? It also starts with leaders asking their team members their bigger why, understanding their bigger why. It, it, it starts with overcoming your own limiting beliefs. And I, I, one of my favorite things is developing in this area of limiting beliefs and the lies that we tell ourselves and believe. But all of those things have to be, when I say it has to start at the top, they have to be modeled from the CEO all down and around. And it becomes a common language. It becomes the culture of the organization, the growth mindset where people are not afraid to make decisions and take steps and that they understand that failure is a stepping stone to success. And all of those things are components of it, but it's, it's something that the organization as a whole is willing to invest in within their culture to permeate the entire culture and as leadership to model that. So as CEO and founder of Proactivate, Jamie, yes. what's the uh, one thing that you can think of in the last year or so that you've failed at that you've had to discuss with your team, to share with your team, to help to model that behavior? Yeah, so when it, we often talk about, you know, what what have we failed at? Um, and I think for me, as I've developed in my, my leadership in my career, um, I'm leading leaders now. And, you know, as CEO, um, I think sometimes it's my, my failure comes with assuming that they're ready, equipped, they they don't need me and my involvement as much. And so in some ways it's it's great because I, I trust the people I work with implicitly. In others I think I have given too much responsibility too quickly and had to go back and say, okay, I need to slow down. I didn't fully explain this to you. I didn't walk you through this. So just to take more time to lead them. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's interesting. Okay, so let me ask you, what's one tried and tested strategy you'd offer listeners 
on the podcast today to help them to scale their sales? I would say one of the best ways, at least for us internally, in terms, obviously, you know, I believe it starts with talent. But aside from that, you've got to have the best people, right? It's the lifeblood of your organization. So you've got to hire the best and upgrade the rest, so to speak. If you have C players, replace them with A players. Aside from the talent piece, which you would expect me to say, I would say having strategic partnerships is a huge opportunity to scale your sales. Without even ha- hiring your own salespeople, it's like having 100 soldiers on the street, depending on who those referral partners are and how big their organization is. So finding organizations that sell to a similar ICP than you, that you do, an ideal client profile, and um, and developing relationships where it's a win-win and it's a strategic relationship where you have synergies in your businesses and you can help to evangelize each other's business. And then taking care of those referral partnerships and, and you know, with referral fees and and things like that, it really, really is a way to scale your business that is strategic and moves much more quickly than just individual sales contributors. So I like I like combining those strategies. Love that. Love that. So Jamie, who is your hero or shero? My mom. <laughs> My mom. She was a motivational speaker and as well was a sales leader of a VP of sales. And more importantly than all of that, she had a passion for helping others to just live their best life. She yeah. was so motivational. And and she really, at 15 years old, I remember I was about to do a talk in front of 500 people on optimism. Kind of funny mm-hmm. now. And she said, are you nervous? And I said, yeah, I'm a little nervous. She said, do you have butterflies in your stomach? I said, yeah. She said, great. You're uncomfortable. That means you're growing. You've got to get out of your comfort zone to grow. And I'll never forget that. And starting in my teenage years, we we wrote down goals. And she went, you know, she helped me write down goals for every area of my life. And she not only was my best friend, she passed away when I was 24, but was the biggest impact in my life in terms of life, my, you know, being a mother, all of the areas of of my life relationships um, that are important to me so oh wonderful woman thank you for sharing that with us i appreciate that so how can listeners get hold of you jamie so they can go to proactivate.net p-r-o-a-c-t-i-v-a-t-e.net also jamiecrosby.com has a lot of my speakers information and speakers one sheet speakers real things like that and linkedin of course and then uh, they can call proactivate at 2-720-9922 excellent thank you so much uh, for sharing your your knowledge and being a guest on scale yourselves podcast wonderful wonderful to speak to you it was such a pleasure janice thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the captioned show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes.
I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.